You're listening to The Right to Be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome everybody to the Right to Be Catholic podcast where we tackle everyday issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world today. I'm your host, Catholic speaker and advocate, Sean A.R. So today's show, we're going to focus on the parable of the prodigal son. You've probably heard of this parable before. You've probably even heard it or read it before. Today, we're going to discuss this parable. We're going to uh, dive into why Jesus chose this parable, the true meaning behind it. And also, we'll dive into all three characters and how we can relate to these characters in our lives at one point in our lives or so. The Bible quote that I have for you today comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. And it goes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So in my research, this quote always is the one that points to the parable of the prodigal son. In, in a way, it is the core message of the prodigal son. And we'll get into that in a moment. So before I go into anything, I'm going to read the whole verse or, or the whole uh, parable. It's a little long, but I, I really urge you guys to stay with me on this one because there's a lot of good information in the prodigal son in the parable that I want you guys to know about. So first off, the parable of the prodigal son is one of the greatest love stories ever told. It's a story that was filled with mercy and grace. Once we get into it, you'll see that. It's a parable of how God views us and how we can choose to either repent and turn to God or reject him. Once we get into the actual parable, you'll see what I'm talking about. So the parable um, is a parable about two brothers and a father. And we're going to get into that in a moment. And it comes from Luke chapter 15, and it's verses 11 to 32. It goes, Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country, and he had squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took a place throughout the, that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields and to feed his pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread to eat enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to call myself your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then, he, then the son 
said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called myself your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and get the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he had heard the music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked him what is going on. He replied, your brother has come, your father has killed the fan calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. Before he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, you have devoured your property, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now has been found. So that's a beautiful parable. I just read the the entire thing to you guys, but I wanted to do that for a purpose because I want to break down the actual parable. Before we actually get into the actual characters and how we relate to them, I wanted to actually break down the actual parable and tell you guys the why behind it and why Jesus chose to do certain things and say certain things during certain times. So know this first. The, this parable is one of three parables. I believe the other one is the lost sheep. And this is the other one. The, the third one escapes me right now. But Jesus specifically chose these three parables in the, in the time that he said them in front of the certain audiences. Now, the audience that he said the parable of the prodigal son was filled with tax collectors, was filled with Pharisees, um, was filled with uh, sinners. So he had a a different uh, array of people that he was saying this to because he was saying specific things to certain groups of people and he wanted them to know this. Because Jesus, if you know anything about how he speaks, he never just says something just to say it. There's a deeper meaning behind everything. So let's break this down a little bit. So first off, when the son asked for his inheritance. So back in the day, sons represented the honor of the family. They were, they were to uphold this honor and say, hey, listen, it's my family name. I have to honor it. So anything that they do is a reflection on their family. So with him cashing in his inheritance, in a way, he's insulting his family in the actions that he's, he's going to take. Now, there's something else to that. Cashing in your inheritance was also an insult because when you are given an inheritance, it's not just cash, right? I think of an inheritance like, oh, I'm going to get some money. It's not just like that. They get land, they get property, they get their, you know, the rights to all that property and land and anything that comes with it and the title. So for him to cash it in, he's in essence saying, I don't care about this inheritance. All I want is the pleasures that come from it. So if you think about that, 
that's sort of like what we do when we sin. We, in a way, are telling God, I don't really want this inheritance that you are giving me. All I want are the worldly pleasures that come. I want to sin. I want to live my life the way I want to. I don't really need you right now. I just want the things that you can give me. I don't want to be with you. Now, also, with um, when the son asks for the property to be divided, there's more meaning to that. So, for example, an inheritance is not given until somebody passes away. So, again... Uh, when the father gives him that, in a way, the son is telling the father, you're better off dead to me. That's what I want because when you die, I get my inheritance. So in a way, are we crucifying Jesus when we sin? The answer is yes. Because again, we don't care about his inheritance. You're like, we're better off dead. doesn't really matter to me. And the father giving his inheritance instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you asking for this? Please stay. He doesn't. If you notice that, that's never in the parable. The symbolism behind that is when we sin, does God really stop us? The answer is no. And the reason for that is God loves us unconditionally and he wants us to love him back unconditionally. So instead of forcing us to love him, he gives us free will. Listen, if you don't want this inheritance that I have for you, fine, go, go and sin. But I guarantee you, he tells us, you won't be happy. And we'll learn in a minute that that is a true statement. So again, Further down in the story, he lost, so this the, the son, he went and he lost everything. He spent all his money. He spent it on, you know, a crazy living. And then he realized once he is at its, after everything is gone, nobody really wants to be around him. No, you know, nobody gave him anything, it says. So like he's sitting there and he's looking at the pigs eating and he's saying, I wish I could even eat the food that they eat. They get to realize the Jews don't eat pork. And so the lowest animal is the pig. It's the filthiest animal. So he's even saying, I'm so dirty that even these pigs, I'll eat their food. That's how low he's become. Now, this is a picture of the state of what we become when we sin, right? When we return to that life of slavery to sin, uh, the life of slavery to sin, we become the way this younger son, this prodigal son became. It's a picture of what sin really does in a person's life when we reject the father's will. In this case, he rejected his father and the overarching message, we're rejecting our father who is God. When we reject his will, it's sin. So sin always promises more than it gives it takes you further than you want to go and leaves you worse off than you were before. And sin promises freedom, but in actuality, it brings slavery. We become slaves to our sins. And just how the prodigal son, he realized that he's nobody without the father. We become that same way and we realize that we're nothing without our Father, our Heavenly Father. 
Every time we sin, no matter how fun we may think we're having at that moment, there's always that peace, right? There's something wrong. There's something missing because that's, that, that's God always there saying, hey, I'm ready to take you back. What you're doing is wrong. That's our self, our, our conscience telling us that. So with that same thought, after he realized, after the son realized that, you know what? I messed up. I have to go back and I have to beg my father for forgiveness. Again, Jesus doing this, he was sort of introducing us to the sacrament that he's going to give us, right, later on, which is called confession. Now, we do this when we sin, when we go away from God and we need to go back to our father and beg for his forgiveness. We do that through confession. The same way this son said, I'm going to go back to my father and tell him I am not worthy and beg for your forgiveness. But if you notice in the parable, he says, treat me like one of your servants. I'm not worthy to be called your son. That's not how the father treated the son, did he? That's not how God treats us. And we'll get into that in a second. So if you notice when the son went and was coming to the father, the father was waiting for him. And when he saw him, he ran. Now, again, that's also another thing that during that time, Jewish older, older men that were Jewish didn't really run. But again, Jesus is trying to tell us something more. He's saying, listen, the father loved his son so much that he broke barriers just to show how much he loved him. God does the same. He runs to us when he knows that we're there asking for forgiveness. God waits for the repentant sinner to return home. In the same way, he will greet us the way the father greeted the son in the parable. And how did he greet him? He hugged him. He kissed him. And what did he tell the servants to get? There's a symbolism behind every single one of those. If you just read the parable, you're like, oh, look, that's nice. He gave him a ring. He gave him a robe. And he said, maybe his feet were dirty. Maybe he was cold. <laughs> but there's more to that. The robe is a sign of dignity. He said to the servant, get the best robe. It's it was probably his robe. He was telling him, get the best robe because he probably was the father. He's the head of the house. Get the best one we have. Again, it's a sign of dignity and honor to prove that the son is accepted back into the family. The ring, the family ring, right? The ring symbolizes that I am now part of your family. With I have authority I'm and sonship. Again, God he doesn't just tell us, okay, you sinned, now you're back, but you're sort of not. No, you're fully back into my family. I forgive you. There's no more sin of, on you. So you're my son and I'm your father again. And, and lastly, the sandals on his feet. Again, there's a symbolism behind that as well. So back in those days, servants didn't wear uh, shoes, only the masters did. So again, putting sandals on his feet, again, symbolizes that he is not a servant anymore, but he is master. 
just like how Jesus wants us to be part of his family, to no longer be a servant or a slave to sin. This is what the symbolism behind all of these things. So this is what God does for us, right? When we choose to go back to him, he doesn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated because if he did, none of us would really make it. To be honest with you, nobody is perfect. We all fall short, right, of the glory of God. But instead, God doesn't look at our sin. The devil does. God never looks at our sin. He looks at our hearts and he says, okay, fine, I forgive you. I love you. Why? Because he shows unconditional love. The same way in the parable, the father showed unconditional love. I don't care that you spent everything. I don't care what you did. You made me look bad. You, dis you dishonored our family. You did everything wrong. But you're back and I love you. Again, God does the same way. And God, when he removes sin, when, I'm sorry, when he forgives sin, it's removed completely. It, it sort of re, um, reminds me of this, this uh, the song or this prayer we say in, in our Chaldean mass. In Chaldean, it's called Maran Isha, which stands for, O Lord Jesus. It's a hymn of thanksgiving that we do after the Eucharist, after we all receive the Eucharist. And one of the one of, the, one of the lines in the hymn says, when you forgive, sin is removed. And I love that part. It's so powerful and it's so beautiful the way it's like, it's so, we, we sing it actually. And it's so beautiful. I, I really recommend if you have uh, not, go to a Chaldean mass and listen at the end of the mass, we say this line and you're like, wow, that's, you know, that's a beautiful part of the hymn. That when, when, when Jesus forgives, sin is removed. Now, there's another brother, right? Now, often people have argued this and debated about this. The story is called the prodigal son. But who is the prodigal son? Is it the younger brother? Is it the older brother? Or is it both of them? Because Jesus didn't just talk about one brother. He talked about both of them. Both of them did something wrong, but in a different way. And we'll get into that in a second. The older brother symbolized during that time what Jesus was who he was talking to were the Pharisees. Now you have to remember something. Jesus always talked to the Pharisees and the scribes and said, you guys are hypocrites, hypocrites. And why did he say this to them? Because they did everything right on the outside, right? Their outward uh, appearance was, wow, they're amazing. But inside they were full of wickedness. Now, I'm not going to judge and say all of them, but the majority of them were because Jesus would always call them out. The brother in this story, it says he did everything he was supposed to do, and he, but he kept on saying to the father, if you notice, I did this, I did this, I did this. He never really talked about anything about himself. He was really, he did everything for selfish reasons. You never gave me this. And in doing so, he didn't really see the message that the father saw. He didn't really see the importance of what, what's going on. The importance is your brother was lost and now he's found. He's, he was dead and now he has come back to life. He's come back to us. Instead of celebrating, he refused to go back into the house and said, nope, I do all these things and you never honored me. But is it really about you? 
if you really were good and really doing what you were supposed to do, then the message that you should be displaying is not just what you do, right? It's the, how did that saying go? Walk, you, you, you talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? And I don't think the older brother in this was doing that. But even again, the father in the story, again, even with the older brother, does he get angry with him? No. He says, everything I have is yours. He pleads with him, come on in, come celebrate with us. He advises the older son and he says, listen, this is what's right. God always is pleading with us to come in and celebrate just as the father in this parable does with his older son. So that's the breakdown of what I got when I read the, the prodigal son. And I hope you guys got the same thing. So let's talk about the three characters, right? There's the younger son, there's the older son, and then the father. So who does the older son represent? Well, he's, a, he's sin, so it's all, all of us, all of us sinners. And like the younger son, we've all let our arrogance and sinful nature get the best of us, right? We've wasted opportunities, indulged in our self-destructive behaviors, and it's left us broken. No one listening to this can tell me that, oh, I've sinned and it made me feel wonderful. Not true. The same way the younger son freely gave up the graces of God, right, that, had, that were given to him, we do the same things, right? When we sin, we're, we tell God again, I don't want your inheritance, the graces that you've given me in this life that I'm going to have in heaven. I want to live what the world, uh, how the world is telling me to live. I want the worldly pleasures now. So the young son, in, in, in the story, the young son learned that being disconnected with the, with the father is, is what left him broken. That's the same thing that we should be thinking ourselves, right? If we're not connected to the father, then we fall into temptation, the temptations of the world. And again, that leaves us dissatisfied and disappointed. And you have to ask yourself, do we do this today? Do we choose the world over God? Are we giving up our inheritance for the world? Or are we going to stay with the Father? and keep our inheritance, right? And grow it and honor the family name, honor our father. So there's the father, right? So that, that was the younger son, now the father. Now some of you, I relate to the father too, right? Have you forgiven and do you love unconditionally? Just like the father in the story, we are supposed to forgive. And if you're like, where is that said? There is a prayer that all of us pray all of the time. And in that prayer, when I say these words, you'll know what prayer I'm referencing. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Wow. Very powerful. The Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. 
And you have to ask yourself now, are you like the father in this story, in the parable? Do you forgive as fast as you expect to be forgiven? You, we all do wrong in our lives and we expect to be forgiven. But do you forgive as fast as you forgive? Or I'm sorry, as fast as you want to be forgiven. That's something that we should um, be asking ourselves. Also, this shows us how God is with us. He forgives us always. We just need to go to him and ask, beg for his forgiveness. See, the devil, what he does, he tries to trick us to believe that our sins are unforgivable. He'll tell us, you know what? <clears throat> You're so far gone. It's not even worth it anymore. Just keep going down this road. But the truth is that he's lying to us. He's the, he's, the, he's the prince of lies. There's no sin that God will not forgive. Only the ones we choose not to, to ask him to forgive us. So be like the father. Forgive. Love unconditionally. I can't call myself a Catholic. We can't call ourselves Catholics if we have hate in our hearts, if we don't forgive those who have done wrong to us, how can we stand in front of God and say, all right, forgive me now? He'll say, okay, did you forgive so-and-so? And if our answers are no, I really don't want to know the answer to what God's going to tell me after that. So we have the younger son, the father, now the older son. Again, when Jesus said this story, this, this parable, he was speaking directly to the Pharisees during that time. Look, you guys are calling yourselves worthy. You guys sit at the, the head of the tables. You're always in the front. You're always, everyone's following you around and listening to you. But are you really worthy? And we have to ask ourselves, are we really worthy? Am I worthy? Maybe not. They were self-righteous the Pharisees. And we have to ask ourselves, are we like the older brother? Are we like the older son in the parable? Are we self-righteous? Do we think that we are better than others because I'm a Catholic, so I, I know it's right. I, I, I follow the Ten Commandments. I go to church every single Sunday. You know, I read the Bible every day. I do this, but then we don't forgive or then we treat people um, Wrongly, is are we really like the older son in that in, in in the parable, where we only do things for our own selfish purposes? Think about that. The same way, like the older son, do we miss the true meaning of really being holy, which is love and forgiveness? I'll tell you, I've been all three. I'm not perfect. So there you go, Jeff and Pilar. I said it. I'm not perfect. You guys can use that in your next podcast, guys. There you go. I gave you guys some ammunition. Some ammunition. So, again, going back to the older son. Unless we see ourselves as unworthy, we cannot possibly fall upon the grace of God. Unless we realize that we are uh, spiritually empty, we will never be saved. 
It is only the needy who reach out for help and saving. We have to be that way. We can't count ourselves worthy. Only God could. He sort of told us this in Matthew 5, verses, uh, verse 3, when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today, in the, to today's world, who... You know, who is, he re- who is he referencing? Who are the older sons? It could be anybody. It could be anybody who claims to be religious, religious leaders, anybody. If they're showing that they are religious outwardly in their, in their appearance, are they really inside? Are we, right? Are we, am I sitting, uh, talking to you on this podcast called The Right to Be Catholic? If I sit and tell you all of these things, well, then go do opposite or don't show love, in my actions, and I am the older son. I am the older brother in this in the parable. As Catholics, we need to we need to analyze. I'm sorry, we need to analyze our hearts to see if something similar has been happening to us, and do we think we've earned the grace of God, or do we think ourselves superior to others? who sin differently than us just because they sinned? Are we better than them? The answer is no. And if so, we need to ask God to transform our hearts to join in celebration that if a lost son has returned home, that we are there to show that love, right? The the Bible verse that came to mind when I was researching this comes from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verses two to seven. And it goes, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries, making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gone nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter what I want to do, I'm bankrupt without love. It's a beautiful saying. It's actually a, it's a song too. I love that song too. Um, but that 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 uh, that line from Corinthians is perfect. It's a perfect example of how we need to be as Catholics, so that we don't fall into the same temptations and the sins that the older brother. Did in the parable. So that's what I have for you guys. That's the parable of the prodigal son. And, you know, I hope now that you've listened to it. We've broken it. We've broken it down. Uh, we've taken each character. You, you now utilize what we have going on, right? Right now we're entering into the season of Lent. And it's up to us to say, are we going to be like the younger son when we realize hey I've done wrong I'm going to go to the father and repent let us utilize this Lenten season to do so so that we go to the father and beg for his forgiveness and hopefully gain the inheritance that he has for us so before I end, I want to mention, please go listen to the other three podcasts that we have with ECRC. 
We have the Invitation to Sisterhood. We have the Salty Catholic. And we have the Catholic Avengers. I'm going to leave you guys with this quote. It comes from Luke 15, verses, uh, verse 10. It goes, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Remember that. Remember this also. Like I always say, remember to go forth with confidence because you have the right to be Catholic. Thank you and God bless. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.